Good morning. Good morning. God is working with me. Trying to open my mind to release the negativity that is surrounding my ministry. When I say negativity surrounding my ministry, I mean hindrances. Those who might hinder you in your walk. So I've been reading 1 Corinthians 9. And I've also been reading about categories of theology. There are so many different categories of theology. So when a minister has a conversation after the completion of a sermon and he says the sermon was theologically correct it leaves a big question mark in my mind because there's no way to know that unless you can say that you ascribe to hundreds of categories of theologians. I have so much work to do that I don't want to get up get myself caught up in categories. And I love all ministry. When I talk about myself I have to say that I am Christ-centric. I'm not sure about anyone else. I just want to rebuke the devourer from hindering me. And so 1 Corinthians 9, 18 says, What is my reward then, verily, that when I preach the gospel... I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. And I want to concentrate on that. Abuse not my power. And Paul goes on to say, don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And those who serve the altar share in what is offered at the altar. Surely you know that those who work at the temple get their food from the temple. So that means that they should have the right to receive their living from the gospel. Now we know that we as Christians have differences. Because we represent so many different categories and sometimes we seem to be inflexible but going back to that statement about theologically correctness we would have to know all the specific characteristics of the numerous categories of theologians I do not I don't know everything even though I believe I'm divinely instructed I accept your ministry And as I said, I tend to be Christ-centered. But I get lost when I try to categorize 
the supersessionists and the the uh, Reformed Covenant theologies and the Kingdom theologies and the Old Covenant theologies and you know we have the Redemption theologies and futuristic preteristic you know I don't I don't I can't say that I'm there I know I am sometimes hermeneutically impressed but not always hermeneutically correct so I have to say that the only thing that I know that I really believe is that Christ lived, he died, he was raised up, he ascended into heaven, and he will come again. I can't get caught up in the approaches that men have when they preach. I can't get caught up in dispensations and revelations and I can't get caught up in whatever it is that you adhere to. But I just want to say, don't hinder me. Don't try to hinder me in my walk. Because I accept your ministry. When you stand there and you give me a text and you preach on that text... I accept your ministry and I don't want to stop you from moving forward and I really don't expect anyone to try to stop me or hinder me from moving forward. I expect to be paid because this scripture says that I have the right to be rewarded for preaching the gospel. And so, whatever your form is, whatever your destiny is, whatever center you have, that's fine with me, but I just have to rebuke the devourer at this point. Because if you're trying to hinder me, you're trying to stop me. And that is a form of hindrance. It's a form of devouring. I am who I am. And I believe that I get my power from Christ. But I try not to abuse my power in the gospel. I try to serve God. I try to serve the people that I minister to. And I try not to be inflexible. So, I don't want to get caught up in the categories and 
the different theologies, and I cannot say that anyone is theologically correct. I am Christ-centered, God-centered. I guess a combination of the two. And there are times when I talk about the covenants. And I think that most people go in different directions. We all understand hermeneutics and eschatological theologies. sometimes futuristic but we cannot say unless we know all of the categories that someone is theologically correct and I'm going to go back over this because I want to make sure that I'm getting my point across and that is don't try to stop me don't try to block me don't try to hinder me move out of my way Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, as I come to you tonight, I want to have an open mind when I go to hear someone preach. When I go to church, there are so many wonderful ministries, so many wonderful theologians, both male and female, from so many different denominations. Help us to understand that you love us all and you gave us all different gifts. You gave us some the gift of speaking, some giving, are given the gift of interpretation and so many other categories. Some of us speak better than others. But all of us preach. But we can't preach unless we have hearers. And I pray for hearers today. And I pray that at times I could be a good listener. But I pray that you will not allow me to hinder anyone's ministry. And I pray also, Father in heaven, that we will not hinder each other as we all strive to increase your kingdom here on earth. As we all try to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ that was given to him by his Father in heaven. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would come together and resist the temptation to take advantage of our positions as ministers. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would somehow come to know that we're all in this together. We're all trying to save someone who is lost and try to bring someone back into the fold of God. As shepherds, as teachers, as preachers, as ministers, as members of a congregation, send your love into our hearts 
and remove from us the dark places where we find ourselves when we try to categorize and stick someone into a box. Give us differentiated instructional methods. Give us different and varied methods of instruction that we might reach all of your people. That we might not only preach the word, but teach the word and live the word. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, good evening, actually good morning. God has been keeping me up late at night to talk to you as I study the word. I'm going to go to Ezekiel 3417. Because it talks about the separation of the sheep from the goats. And historically, the churches that I've gone to have been the types of churches where the pastor will read the scripture and go from verse to verse. I'm not talking about the last churches that I went to. But I've gone to some Pentecostal churches and I've gone to some holiness churches and some spirit-filled Baptist churches. But most of the churches that I loved and the ones that I stayed with most of the time would always misinterpret this verse. And of course, there are those who say, take what you take from it and don't try to make it the truth because it's your truth, you know. But as I, as I study deeper and I read this scripture a little closer, God's message was for the flock Not necessarily the flock of the field, but it was the flock being under the good shepherd. And of course, the shepherd is a leader. So we're talking about God wanting to deliver a message to the flock. Previously, he had ordered uh, Ezekiel to be easy on everybody. And now he wants to make a difference. To separate between the precious and the vile. Not the bad and the good, but the precious and the vile. 
you know, everyone says it's those who are not going to heaven and those who are. In the spirit field and the holiness and the Pentecostal churches, and I love them, they seem to want to label some people evil and some people good. Those who do not have the Holy Ghost or and those who do have the Holy Ghost. That's generally the distinction that they make when they say the separation of the sheep from the goats. If you don't have the Holy Ghost and you really don't believe, then, like they believe, then you are a goat. So he has to throw away everyone who is not in that category. But God is not saying that. He's separating the rich from the poor. And he's separating the rich and the great from those who may be uh, poor and may not be able to enjoy the benefits that those who have a more um, more superfluous uh, way of living. So the rich tend to want to throw away the poor people because they're a bother to them. But Christ is saying that's not what I want you to do. I want you to take care of the poor. You have to be a blessing to everyone as Christ was a blessing to everyone. Because Christ was the good shepherd and he would care for the poor and the needy and and he would bless them as well as those who had been more fortunate. So cattle and cattle, sheep and sheep. So, I just hope that you understand that this is what is meant by that scripture. Not the not the uh not the more holy and those not who aren't as holy. But the smaller and weaker who need tenderness and the greater and stronger who have violently shamed or uh hurt the weaker. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would continually bless those. I pray that you would continually bless those who have somehow been separated from your churches because they don't have money. Churches, in many instances, seem to push out the poor and the elderly because of their diminished incomes. And those who cannot afford to do all the things that the wealthier people can do, the working people or the people who don't have jobs and can't find jobs or people who do menial tasks or people who make less money. But that is not what God wants. And I'm sure, Heavenly Father, that's not what you want. So I am praying that people would be more open-minded and love your neighbor and help the widows and the elderly elderly and those who are less fortunate.
and accept the people who are coming from the Bahamas and other places even if they are poor and needy and accept those people who are already here who are poor and needy our churches need to have a a reformation we need to reform the way we think it's not about the building and can we keep the lights on can we have new seats and new carpet and this pretty uh, vestibule it's not about that can we wear pretty robes and can we have nice uh, music and can we have all this excess when the poor all around the neighborhood are suffering and you're not doing any good works in the neighborhood no outreach no social involvement whatsoever just eating and dancing and saying I'm holy and I'm saved and sanctified not caring about the people within the church who need you You've separated yourself from those who need you. Not just the holiness and the Pentecostal, but it happens in the Baptist churches as well. But separating the sheep from the goats in that instance, and he said, you are the goats. The sheep are the ones pushing out. Amen. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you. Amen.